Welcome to the Discover You Podcast with your host, James Hooper, spiritual and personal discovery author, speaker, teacher, and coach. James helps you find who you were created to be and guides you to the most fulfilling life you can experience. On this podcast, we'll guide you through discovering what energizes and motivates you, why you think the way you think, act the way you act, and react the way you react. We'll learn together how to grow through spiritual truths to become the best version of yourself possible. If you haven't yet, please subscribe so you won't miss an episode. Also, you can go to your favorite podcast platform and leave a review and rating. This will help others find us so they can begin their own growth journey. Well, welcome to the Discover You podcast. This is your host, James Hooper, and I'm so glad that you joined me today because you are in for a treat. I'm sitting here in the fifth floor office of the General Bishop of the Pentecostal Church of God. Those of you that aren't aware of the organization, I'm actually ordained with the organization. We're in 66 countries around the world. I'm sitting here with the General Bishop. He's a very interesting person to meet with because he's got a vision. He came into office this past summer, um, a year ago this summer, and uh, so he's got a vision, a it's not really a new vision, it's kind of a renewed vision, kind of a renaissance of the PCG, and we're going into our centennial year in 2019, so we're going to talk a little bit about that, but I wanted to get a little time to speak to Bishop Wayman Ming about his story, because so many people don't know his story and where he came from and how he got started and that sort of thing, so welcome to the podcast, Bishop, it's so good to have you. Thank you, James, it's an honor to be with you, thank you for the invitation to be part of the podcast. Let's start back at the beginning. Now, um, you aren't originally from California, are you? No, I actually uh, grew up in Michigan, spent the first 13 years of my life there, and my parents were the PYPA presidents, the youth directors for the Pentecostal Church of God in Michigan. So just I grew up there traveling from church to church and developing relationships with people and that's that's where I grew up before I moved to California. He spoke at our uh, district convention, and so he told the story, and I've heard this uh, actually at his, I guess I call it your acceptance speech or whatever it was at the general convention, how his dad got involved in ministry. He was He was called to the ministry, and he got an opportunity because of a woman pastor asked him to come lead her youth group, gave him the opportunity, and so that kind of got him into it. And so now he is uh, a second-generation minister. He's gone from that, and I'm also a second-generation. And so we're just kind of going to delve into how you get the calling for the ministry. He's been in so many different things in the Pentecostal Church of God, not the least of which he was a professor at the college. He's He's been in the general office before. This is not his first foray into the general office. So as a boy growing up, when did you— feel like you were called to the ministry? Well, that's a a great question. I think it's an important one. Uh, As I mentioned, growing up in Michigan, we would would travel, uh, and every summer we would have a youth camp, and we would all come with with kids from around the, the state. And I remember one specific camp. I was I was eight years old, and we had a guest speaker, and at the end of that service, I I found myself at the altar uh, just in a time of response to the Lord and 
praying that prayer that you sometimes pray, Lord, I'll be what you want me to be. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go, which is in in many ways uh, connected to your book, you know, the Discover You book that understanding your identity is key to walking in your calling and fulfilling your gifts. But uh, when I began to pray that prayer, there was a a very profound presence of God that that enveloped me, and I found myself for for quite some time on my face, uh, listening and hearing the Lord speak some things into my heart about ministry and what He wanted me to to be, and what He wanted me to do, and eventually where He wanted me to go, because there was even some some moments of understanding that he had called me to share the gospel to the world. Uh, and so that was a, a divine moment for me that set me on a course toward full-time vocational ministry. And at that time, I really dedicated myself to preparing for it. Uh, not that I didn't play baseball and do those types of things as a, as a kid, but I I really seriously pursued preparation for the ministry. I was involved in the Bible quiz program with the PCG, started memorizing books of the Bible, and um, and and then preparing and learning um, at every stage what I needed to do to be effective for God. And that, that started me on the right course. It's just so interesting how many young people are called to the ministry at youth camp. It's just kind of a recurring theme that I find uh, myself. I was 12. I was a late bloomer. Uh, so at youth camp, I was called into the ministry. I was fortunate enough to have a pastor as a father. So Friday was our last day, and I told Dad when I got home. Actually, he was a counselor at camp, and I told him. So the following Wednesday at 12, I spoke for my first time. It's just interesting. I keep hearing that, that the youth camp uh, is a place where people hear their calling and stuff like that. So it's important that kids get to experience that. I know kids have a lot of extracurricular activities going on, but if they can spend that time alone, just the four or five days that they get at youth camp, just focused in, I mean, they play hard and they pray hard, but uh, it's just been valuable for a lot of us. So as you receive your calling, you begin preparing, doing Bible quizzing. When did you get your first opportunities to actually get in the pulpit? Yeah, well, you're always looking for those opportunities. And of course, uh, as a pastor's son, I was engaged in a lot of different ministries. And in a small church, you, you do a little bit of everything, you know, you, you, uh, you're teaching a children's class, you're the youth pastor, you're mowing the lawn, you're cleaning the toilets. So, you know, there were always lots of opportunities. But I remember specifically, more so engaged in um, preaching the Word of God in in local churches when I became uh, a teenager in high school. And I was a junior in high school and started um, developing opportunities with pastors and saying, hey, if you if you want a young leader to come in and share the Word of God, I'm available. And so I really started 
uh, sharing the word in in churches my junior and senior year in high school. And actually, my very first message that I preached was uh, entitled, Make It the Right Time, from uh, Paul's uh, exhortation to that now is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable year of the Lord. And so even as I reflect back at that young age, I, I had a very uh, passionate heart for evangelism and mission, that it was important for us to share our faith. And of course, in the PCAG, our, our thought as we enter a second century PCAG, the mandate is one mission, one movement. And we, I'm sure we'll talk about that more. But my first message as a junior during the summer between my senior year was make it the right time. Today is the day of salvation. Oh, that's awesome. Mine was Noah and the Ark. <laughs> I preached 45 minutes on Noah and the Ark. My dad said, boy, I didn't know you could talk so much. I said, I didn't either. So um, now, am I correct? You attended Messenger? was actually a teacher there. I graduated from Fresno Pacific University, a Bible college with my degrees in biblical studies and music, and then was invited to come and be an instructor or professor at Messenger College uh, in 1988. And so I moved to Joplin as a 22-year-old young adult and started teaching theology and music. Man, that's pretty young to be teaching college. You're about the same age as some of the students almost. So interestingly enough, he was teaching at college. Of course, I'm telling some of his story because I've heard some of it. And one of his uh, female students caught his eye. So things started to develop. Tell me a little bit about how that happened. Yeah, that's such a wonderful story. Um, Of course, when I moved to Joplin when I was 22 and started teaching, I had my bachelor's degrees, but I started a master's program at the time, too. That was one of the prerequisites of the college, that if I did come and teach, that I would start my my master's degree. And so I've always had a, a, a wonderful appreciation of higher education and the importance of that in ministry. But uh, after that first year of teaching, I went back to California and was preaching revivals. And I had a friend her name was Kimberly Tomlinson, uh, and I was preaching revival in Taft, California. Felt very strongly that the Lord said, "You know, you're you're going to marry Kimberly Tomlinson." It's a funny story because we weren't even dating; we hadn't even looked at each other like that at the time. Uh, and when I was preaching revivals, I made the decision not to date because, you know, if you're preaching revival, it can become convoluted if you're a single evangelist. So I remember uh, going home and saying to my mom and dad at the time, I was 23, saying, I'm going to marry Kimberly Tomlinson. And they said, well, if if that's going to happen, let's start praying because you're headed back to Joplin and she lives in Modesto, California. And so for six weeks, we just took it to the Lord in prayer And then I headed back to Joplin, and I remember driving uh, all the way back, having having a nice little argument with God, you know how we do, and saying, God, every mile that I drive away from California, I'm leaving my future wife behind. So how is this supposed to happen, that I'm to marry her? Until I pulled into the campus, 
and walked into the registration hall in Joplin. And guess who was sitting at the registration desk in her pink capris? It was Kimberly Tomlinson. So the whole time I was complaining to God, he was, she, she probably was an hour or two ahead of me as we began to reflect after that. She was probably an hour or two ahead of me while I was driving. So God was always a mile or two ahead of me in his preparation of his divine plan. And so that started our relationship. I think it's always interesting how when God gives you a word, it's always tested. It's always um, has an opportunity for you to doubt it because, you know, you you got this, this word, you knew that this was true, but you couldn't figure out how it was going to happen. And a lot of us, especially me, you know, being very analytical, I'm always trying to figure things out. And so when God gives you a word, you're trying to figure out how it's going to happen instead of just resting in the word and trusting God. And so, but it's just, it's just proof that God works things together, all things together for good. That's just an interesting story. So they had to get approval to date. Yeah, yeah I was a, I was an instructor. So obviously I couldn't date my students. So I went to the president of the college, uh, Dr. Charles Pankos. And I said, you know, Dr. Pankos, I'm going to marry this girl. She's a student, Kimberly Tomlinson. And I'd like to ask for your permission to date her. And he laughed profusely, and he, and he said, well, if you're going to marry her, you'd better date her. And so he gave me the approval, and we, we started dating at that point. And the next year, we were married. That's awesome. So you guys uh, get married, and you start your life together. So at what, where did that lead you once you, you both left the college? You left the college at some point to go where, somewhere. Where did God lead you guys first? Yeah, we were actually uh, at the college a few more years. Uh, I was there five years total. And then we started pastoring a Pentecostal Church of God in Joplin, Missouri. At the time, it was the first Pentecostal Church of God. And uh, we eventually changed the name to Joplin Family Worship Center and and was part of a very vibrant, effervescent, growing a community of faith that impacted that city greatly and still is today. And um, we were at Joplin Family for 11 years, pastoring uh, that community, and it was just a great experience for us. Now, am I wrong? You guys were actually there when the tornado hit Joplin. Talk a little bit about navigating that. Yeah, that that was uh, certainly an interesting time. Of course, we, we weren't pastoring uh, in 2011 when the uh, tornado came through. At that time, we were serving as general secretaries of the Pentecostal Church of God. But nonetheless, it was a very very uh, challenging time for the four-state community, and especially Joplin, um, a, a tornado that basically uh, hit the inner city of Joplin, uh, 12 miles long, at least uh, a mile wide, uh, just took out um, so much of the Joplin community. And of course, during those times, your community comes together, people come together, your light shines brightly, it intensifies. We were actually able to take the 
the gymnasium for Messenger College and turn it into a disaster relief center and made it available and served, um, you know, hundreds and even thousands of people out of that center there at the Pentecostal Church of God International Headquarters and Messenger College. And so God... God did some wonderful things in the midst of tragedy. You know what the enemy seeks to uh, be tragic, uh, uses tragedy. God turns for good and makes it something that he, he's able to use for his glory. So you guys have to forgive me. My timelines kind of get blurred a little bit. But spending 11 years in a, in a church, you, have a, you become attached to a community, become a heart for the community. You don't spend that much time in a community pastoring a church without getting a heart for that community. So uh, you were able to help uh, do that. So you, you served as general bishop uh, during a, a major transition for the organization. Um, you were I mean, not general bishop, general secretary, I'm sorry. And um, you were, were you secretary when you moved to Texas? Yes. Well, I was involved in, in that whole process, for sure. Uh, we um, started serving as general secretaries in 2011. Uh, we went from pastoring into uh, district uh, office. We served as the district bishop in southern Missouri for the PCG before then serving as general secretary. And so in 2011, uh, we, we saw the decision by our overseeing leadership and also our general convention to relocate the international headquarters from Joplin, Missouri to the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And so Bishop Charles Scott, who is the general bishop at the time, was very instrumental and strategic in um, that process. And of course, serving the general secretary's role is more of a a vice president role. It's more of a COO role. I had the wonderful privilege of working alongside of him to see that become a reality. So how early in your life did you, because you served in several leadership roles, uh, now being the general bishop, how early did you recognize that you had leadership abilities, that that was part of your makeup? Well, I think it's certainly... A process of of discovery, as your as your book is very attuned at attesting to, you are constantly learning about your gifts and talents and filtering that through the grid of your calling. Uh, the more I learned about the fivefold ministry gift and and unpack that in my personal life, the more I recognized what my gifts were and more of the apostolic teaching. A function of the fivefold ministry gifts. So I always enjoyed developing leaders. I've always enjoyed that. Coaching churches, coaching pastors. I've been keenly aware that your passions often give you permission to fulfill the call of God. So what you're passionate about gives the permission for you to, to run fully or pursue fully toward that. And so I was passionate about those types of things, developing leaders, uh, developing uh, churches, helping healthy churches grow, coaching churches, uh, was able to establish a church coaching organization, a 5013C3 called Exceed International, which was basically about empowering leaders to exceed 
and empowering uh, people to find their gifts and callings. And so it, it certainly has been a discovery process through the way. A true leader is not a real leader unless they are training other leaders. This has been such an interesting interview and such an interesting conversation. We're going to continue the conversation with Bishop Wayman Ming Jr. of the Pentecostal Church of God next week. Don't miss it. Be sure and subscribe to the podcast. We're going to learn more about the missional movement of the Pentecostal Church of God. He's actually going to give us a definition of the word missional because I wanted to have that clarification. Go to the website, discoveryou-book.com. You can access the first chapter of the book. You can also access the assessment for the Discover You curriculum. And then you can also order the book online as well. There's a media page with the videos, with the teachings, and of course this podcast is there. Do me a favor and share this podcast with those of your friends on your social media platforms. Let them know that there is this quality content out here interesting information, learning more about other leaders and other people discovering themselves. This is what the Discover You podcast is about, self-discovery. And we're going through Bishop Wayman Ming Jr. and learning how he came to be who he is and where he, when he was called to the ministry and how he became a leader and what his heart is. And then also next week we'll be discussing the vision he has for the organization. And even though you may not be part of it, it's interesting to understand and to see what other people are doing, what other organizations are doing, and where they're headed. So don't forget to join me next week, and I look forward to seeing you then. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Discover You podcast with your host, James Hooper. This podcast exists to help you grow both spiritually and personally. If you enjoyed it and think others could benefit from the content provided, please go to your favorite podcast platform and leave a review and rating. This will help others find us more easily. Also, if you haven't already, subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thank you for joining us for the Discover You Podcast.